0: from mpb think radio this is now you're talking with marshall ramsey hey this is the show about the most interesting people and stories of mississippi today's story is a powerful story our guest is brenda travis she's veteran of the civil rights movement who was imprisoned for protesting a segregated bus station and participating in a peaceful march in macomb mississippi in 1961 to help catalyze Public Sentiment Against Segregation. We'll talk with her and the co-author of her book, John Obie, about her new memoir, Miss, uh, mississippi's exiled daughters how my civil rights baptism under fire shaped my life great book plus we'll talk about the latest headlines in the weekly roundup and to be part of the show give us a call at 877 mpb ring that's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org this is now you're talking on mpb think radio and we'll be right back after the news
1: You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio.
0: All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a good day today. And we've got a great show ahead of us today. A couple really special guests in the studio. First of all, our guest is, our first guest is Brenda Travis. Actually, they're on together. She's a veteran of the civil rights movement whose imprisonment for protesting a segregated bus station and participation in a peaceful march in Macomb, Mississippi, in 1961 helped catalyze public sentiment against segregation. I tell you what, she even had the governor... Tell her that she had to leave the state of Mississippi. Incredibly powerful story. Um, and, of course, she has a new book out called Mississippi's Exiled Daughter, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. And her co-author, John Obi's in the in the studio as well. And we're going to have a great discussion. In the building, what you're going to say. Yeah, in they're, the building. They are in the house. They're in the house. So, yeah. It, today has been the mundiest of Mondays. So yes. my, my brain is not quite firing on all eight <laughs> cylinders. I think it's firing on about two today. But uh, I tell you, I'm excited about this. Uh, Big week last week too, and I'm just coming off. I had three television interviews on Friday. I had Glenn Ray Tudor, who's one of the most fabulous photorealistic painters in the in the world, who happens to live here in Mississippi and lives in Oxford. And his work and the thing that was so fun about him talking to him was it wasn't just uh, about painting and technique, which his technique blows my mind. It's so photorealistic, but also too the metaphors that he put behind the painting was very incredibly deep guy. And it was like, okay, we had 30 minutes. And me being a quasi-artist that I am, you know, I mean, we're sitting there talking about art and talking about technique, but we're talking about the state of the world, and it really was a lot of fun. Then I had Steve Yarbrough, who's from Indianola originally, but now lives in Boston. He's a writer, and he teaches at Emerson College. Uh, They were, of course, everybody's in for the book festival, and it was just really wonderful. Five o'clock rolls around, and then I had the uh, probably the most pressure I've had on an interview in a long time. I had the world-famous two-time National Book Award winner, Jesmyn Ward, who's from the coast, of course. Jesmyn's an incredible person. I mean, it was just—and I was all nervous about it. She sits down, and she just—incredibly um, beautiful person, just inside and out, starts talking. We just start laughing, and it turned out to be probably the most fun I've had on 30 minutes of, of television in a long time. Uh, I am incredibly huge fan of her work, uh, Sing, Buried Sing, uh, of course, her latest book that won the second National Book Award. Uh, it's so incredibly lyrical, and it's—if anybody's ever been through therapy or understands pain, um, but it just—she just absolutely uh, just hit it out of the park with that book. So it was a lot of fun. Then of course, then she was at the book festival, had a huge room of people, and, and did an interview there. And, of course, the book festival was this weekend— it was a lot of uh, just a lot of folks came down. Once again, a huge home run for Mississippi. And, of course, our national treasure that we call our literary treasure that we have here. We're very fortunate to have that. One of the reasons I actually enjoy living here is because you can rub shoulders with so many incredibly talented people.
2: And and a lot of history in Mississippi. Oh, you think? And, uh, <laughs> but history that it's history, but it's our, you know, we, we look back. But it tells us where we're going, and I like that. Like you said, oh, you can right you can too. you can sit down and, in a restaurant and bump heads like, oh, Brenda Travis is here. Yeah, you know, but- you know, she's here. She's actually not just on the t- television, or you're reading her book. We actually get to reach back. And look at our past. And I love that about Mississippi. Also, speaking of our past and our future, uh, we ha- we had, I had uh, Angie Thomas on the show Friday. Oh,
0: is Angie the best?
2: I yeah. adore her, her interviews, her speaking. Everything she says is so almost like she's writing. When she talks... It's like, I mean, it's, it's coming from her, so it's the same thing. But when she writes and when she talks on our interviews, everything she said Friday was just wonderful.
0: Yeah, and I was uh, talking to Greg Isles Friday. Mm-hmm. I dropped him a text, said, hey, look, I had Jasmine on the show, and because he put really put her on my radar a while back. And, of course, Greg Isles is pretty darn famous in his own right. But we were talking about Angie, and he said, you know, when that movie comes out, she's just going to go to another place. October she, I mean, 19th. She's, she's already mm-hmm. in the stratosphere, but, she I is. mean, she's just going to go way out into space because she's just... And the funny thing is, she's just still the same person she was. She is. I mean, she's, that's what's so fun about her. She is. What, she,
2: what I liked the most uh, about her interview Friday was, we asked her what she likes most about reaching back and talking to the young kids in schools. Yeah. She says she loves the kids to come up to her that would never n- ordinarily pick up a book. And one boy, she said his pants were sagging. He walked up to her. He said, hey, yo, yo. She was like, who, me? Yeah, um, I don't read normally, but I read your book. I read it in a day. It was so good. And she said that just puts a smile on her face and lets her know what she's doing, what she's supposed to be doing. Getting kids to read and not just read, but read something Craig, Well, you know? i tell you what's
0: so wonderful about Angie, and I think it's incredibly, she's just clairvoyant. I mean, she saw an issue that obviously was very important mm-hmm. in her life and in, in the community's life but nobody was talking about it, and she sat down and wrote that story, and, of course, it came out right as everything started broke, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, it's been great. And, like you said, it gets people to pick up a book and to read, and, and of course, I was talking with with, uh, Brenda Travis a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. in the green room a little bit, and she's out talking with students, too, and we'll get her on the air in just Mm -hmm. a second and talk about that, but it's so important for students to understand why it's so important for to go vote. Mm-hmm. And because mm. because of the sacrifices that Brenda made mm-hmm. and the efforts that she made to, so that we could have the right to vote here in Mississippi for everybody. And so when you see things like 12% voter turnout in a special election, it just breaks your heart into 10,000 pieces right. because you understand um, what... Brenda went through is something I can't even fathom. To Me be honest either. with you, mm-hmm. I can't fathom it. You know because we are spoiled because <laughs> we've been given all these things by her generation, and we're not doing a darn thing with it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I look forward to ha- getting her take on all this as well. But that's so cool you got Angie on there. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I like the little piano <laughs> interlude too. That was good. Hey, I, just a little quick update. You know I mentioned last week we had to move our son to college. Right. I, you know, I mean I'm so proud of him. I actually went up to go see him on Wednesday. Right. Uh, went, didn't technically go see him. We were invited. To to an event, And he happened to be there, so i got to see him in the wild. So that was kind of fun. But he had his first class today, and so I texted him. I said. So did you wake up? Did you make it? You know, he did. He made it. And he said he liked it. And he's already got his textbooks and everything's good. So that's great. I think he might survive in the wild. That's
2: that's a, that's one of my fears. I know I have, what, three more years to go oh, no, to college. It's, it's going to
0: happen in three minutes, too. But I just help want her
2: to be responsible. I know you're in ninth grade, but I want you to get up without me calling you and say, don't you have an 8 o'clock class this morning? Um, they say they have apps for parents to look at your child's schedule and help them get up. And everyone's like, no, do no, not no, no, use no, that no, app. No. So please no. let her learn by- twi- by high school by college, she thing. should be responsible it's,
0: seriously, if your kid by the time of college isn't getting themselves up out of bed and isn't taking care of their own business like that, because I think about when I went to college, this was my dad, my dad, Dave Ramsey, you know, not the financial guy, but the guy he's named for, so my dad has everything thrown in the truck, it looked like the Beverly hill bill he's all my stuff. He pulls around to the dorm, literally cuts a rope, shoves it down, we throw it up in the room, and he's like. Bye. I'll see you later. And it's like see you at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> and that pretty much was the case. And I mean, it's you know, it's killing my wife because my wife and my oldest son are very close. And so she's like calling him. When you coming home? I said, stop it. He'll come home when he just left. He needs laundry done. <laughs> He'll come home. Don't worry. That's how that works. Oh, you know? oh, but he's like telling us all the stuff he's eating because he has the unlimited meal plan. And of course, I mean, he's an eighteen-year-old boy. So I mean, it's like literally. Um, there are small countries that don't eat as much as he's eaten <laughs> in the last week, and I'm like, dude, you're gonna come back fifty pounds heavier if you keep that well, up. Well, you know so what they say—that uh, freshman was it, fifteen mm-hmm. is freshman thirty now, believe oh it or not. Oh my god. For, so, uh, but how, how would you love that? I would love that having a cafeteria like one block away from where I wake <laughs> up every day and could go in and some nice people cook me food. Oh, I wouldn't care taste it tasted like. It'd exactly. Be <laughs> don't have to do the dishes or anything Ooh. else. I know. I'm walking around campus going. I so want to go back. I to know. college. I know. Let's go back to college so just for what, the food. So guess what? <laughs> what I'm starting my master's. Oh yes, you are. I want to be just are. like
2: you. Ah, uh, well, yes. this is my last um, last stint. I started my internship actually after Labor Day. You're going to be so smart. I'm ex- no, no, no. I'm just. I'm excited about um, the counseling and incorporating it in radio so uh-huh.
0: having the uh, so you're basically analyzing me every Monday that's part of your deal <laughs>
2: actually I'm, I want to work with teens but you know I'll, I'll start with you
0: well, I kind of act like <laughs> one sometimes I mean I'm 50 going on 15 so there you go yes but you know but I'm you're excited gonna you're going to do a great job mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you and uh, you know I mean getting through that and jumping through the hoops, I've had a hard enough time signing up. Woo, yes. I mean, it's like the bureaucracy is like, its they put walls out there to see how bad Jet, you want I believe things. so. I really, really believe that like, they oh, put
2: uh, these firewalls up just to see how strong you are, how resilient you are, and do you really want to go back to school and get your master's I mean, degree? I mean, and
0: I've got so much stuff going on, I'm just like going, I don't need I don't want to do I, this. I don't want to do this, but I need to. And, and I'm getting entrepreneurial journalism. Okay, so, good deal. So that'll be fun. So that will be. Because i I, I might as well take a journalism class now that I've been in it for 30 years. Maybe. Yeah, it's the least I could do.
2: Okay, so well, be smart. Yes, well, I tell you we'll what, take a well, little let's break. Let's take a break, mm-hmm. and so
0: we can talk to our guests. Our guests are way more interesting than me going back to school. <laughs> T- trust you on that. Great, great story coming up. We've got veteran of the civil rights movement Brenda Travis and veteran of the civil rights movement John Obi too, who's mm-hmm. the co-author of the, her new book Mississippi's Exiled Daughter: How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. And I tell you what. It will absolutely change your life too. Great book. Look forward to talking to her about it. This is Now You're Talking Only on MPB Think Radio.
1: mpbonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at mpbonline.org. MPB Watch Us Shine brings together some of your favorite MPB radio and TV stars. Join Walt Grayson, Deborah Hunter, Wyatt Waters, Robert St. John, Marshall Ramsey, Bill Ellison, and Felder Rushing for a magical evening of never-before-seen footage and remarkable gems from our vault. It's a night of star-studded entertainment, major announcements, and a chance to win fabulous prizes. MPB Watch Us Shine premieres Thursday, August 23rd at 7 p.m. on MPB-TV. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns.
3: There's a little song that we sing in our movement down in the South. I don't know if you've heard it. But it has become the theme song, We Shall Overcome. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe, We Shall Overcome. No, I've joined hands so often with students and others behind jail bars singing it, We Shall Overcome. Sometimes we've had tears in our eyes when we joined together to sing it, but we still decided to sing it.
0: we got the Now You're Talking choir in the back singing. Definitely incredibly powerful. Uh, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. We have a couple of very special guests, and actually I'm very honored that both of them are in the studio today. we got civil rights veterans, Brenda Travis, uh, and, of course, John Obi as well. And I tell you, the book is Mississippi's Exiled Daughter, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. And, Brenda, you... Let's just go ahead and and just admit this right now. You said you haven't read the book, but you lived it.
4: I lived
0: it. You know the story.
4: I know the story without reading it, but I have read the book.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, exactly. By the golly, I told the book. It's my book. I told. Them. I told the book. I know every word in it. I lived every single one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and welcome to you and John for being in the studio. And of course, John, you, you've read the book, of course, ten million times at this point because I know what it's like to write something because you got to go back and edit and edit and edit and edit. Um, I just got the book as I walked in the studio today. So I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I'm going to go home and read this like tonight. Uh, Looking forward to it. But I can't wait to hear a little bit about the story. Welcome home, by the way, Brenda. It's good to have you back. Thank you. Yeah. And um, what a journey.
4: It's been quite a journey, and the journey isn't over yet.
0: No, that's thing. the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the past, but, I mean, Faulkner is right. The past isn't even past yet, and we're still living it.
4: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what brings you home?
4: Um, I come on occasion to Mississippi. I'm, um, I've sat on the board of the Mississippi Veterans of the Civil Rights Movement, so I, I normally come once a year, mm-hmm. sometimes twice a year but i've also, I also have a foundation in macomb um, that i come i visit once a year yes. so well, actually that 's twice a year that i normally come down, but I was invited by the Mississippi uh, Book Festival because my book just came out a couple of months ago. They invited me to come and sit on a panel here at the uh, festival and to do a book signing. So that's my purpose for here now with uh, the book coming out, doing book tours and um, attending the festival. Are you going to do some
3: signings
0: around the state?
4: I'm in the process of doing that now. As a matter of fact, we've been to two, well, three with the Mississippi Book Festival Macomb is where we launched the book room yeah. uh, which was last Thursday night uh, Friday we were in Hattiesburg and Saturday was here at the festival uh, and we have a number of places still to to visit and that's um, Lemuria uh, the Mississippi um, Civil Rights Museum mm-hmm. on Wednesday for uh, what is it called history is a lunch. Yes. Oh they, yeah. They've that's... invited me there. And then we're going to Greenwood on um Thursday. And so we still we're, we're going to be quite busy. I was about and to I say hope I'm kind of quite look... successful with people purchasing the book.
0: Well that's what we're going to help try to help you do today. So try to get the word out on that as well. Um the book festival, how'd that go? Do you enjoy the the, the panel?
4: I enjoyed the panel, but you know, as I expressed on, let's um, it was yes, not ESPN. What am I? C-Span. C-SPAN.
0: If you were uh, on, on ESPN, then I'm really impressed.
4: <laughs> not Fox. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not a Fox. Oh, okay. <laughs> I
0: about to say, yeah, you're on the backup quarterback for Green Bay no. too, right?
4: <laughs> no. Um. No, uh, it was C-SPAN, and I, I, the the panel was uh, a nice panel, and we d- discussed each each one of the panelists discussed their their books. But I looked out among the audience, and I, I was a bit disappointed with um, the number of empty seats. Oh yeah, uh, and and it made me question whether this issue racism and civil rights and stuff is still uh, a, a a valid interest to many people
0: yeah and it's i so, mean but it's something we we're, we're all living every day, so it probably should be
4: i I feel that it should yeah. be, but I can't feel for other people right uh they have to feel
0: well i mean it, and I think we were talking a little bit before before the break about Angie Thomas and about how she's getting kids to read her books. And, of course, Jasmine's come along and people are reading her books and things like that. You're out working with a lot of youth, too, yes. trying, trying to educate them a little bit. At least put, you know, instead of them just reading names in a book, you know, to hear the oral history, to hear, to see you in person. That's important. It's
4: important, but it's difficult to get youth to understand this history right because for many years they never knew anything about the history of the civil rights right. movement and nor the price that was paid for them as to go and be able to sit in uh to exactly. in the libraries the public libraries for which their parents paid taxes but they weren't allowed to go to the uh, public libraries. Um, or so even, they wanted
0: the, a movie or, you know.
4: Yes, yeah. the movies or even uh, I was speaking to a young group in Macomb at the Macomb uh, Middle School, and I was sharing with them because they were fawning and frolicking as I was speaking, and and I, I stopped, yeah. and, and I admonished them and t- tell to, and told them that this is serious, I said, because when I was your age, I wasn't allowed to bring myself here and sit in this auditorium. The only time a black person was allowed in this auditorium mm-hmm. is if they were a janitor, you know, to cleanse right. and stuff.
0: You were thrown in jail at their age. Yes. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, things yeah. were a lot more serious when you were 16 years old. than did, Now, when did it all start for you? Was it? When you were, I, I saw your brother got pulled away at night. You were pretty young then. You were like ten, weren't you, when that happened?
4: About ten years yeah, old. It was not that's... too long after Emmett Till was murdered, and and uh, seeing his the picture in the Jet magazine,
0: right. And so, mm-hmm. when your brother gets taken in the middle of the night, that had to be like one of the most. I mean, you are ten, so that had to be incredibly horrifying.
4: It was very traumatic, and I carried it through even to to to, to today. Yeah. Um, the horrific scene of of a uh, visualization. I'm sorry of Emmett Till's death. I still carry that. Yeah. The fear of of uh, feeling that I would never see my brother alive. Right. If 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 I did, if I were to see him, he would be that Emmett Till in that coffin. But you know, thankfully, he came back to us that afternoon. Where they were, re- where they released him.
0: Well, I mean, the danger was very real, and it was very present. And so, for you to have the courage as a young teen to stand up and risk your own life to doing that—I mean, what was that catalyst? Catalyst that got you to stand up and, and just bow up and say, "You know what? I'm going to go stand up for what I think is right."
4: It actually started, um, as I said, and I always say, all of us have Emmett Till stories. But it actually started with Emmett Till and then my brother being taken away. And as children, we always um, think and say in our minds or have an idea of what and who we're going to be when we grow up. Right. Okay. So I didn't know anything to say that I was going to be a civil rights activist or something. I just said, like young children do when you don't know in which direction you're going. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something about this one day. But the day came sooner than I had imagined when um, Bob Moses and Chuck McDew and Dion Diamond and another, a number of other um, civil rights activists, or SNCC people, mm-hmm. CORE people and so forth, sent it on uh, to the state of Mississippi um, uh, and Macomb uh and um, talked with the, the president of the NAACP, at which time I was the youth president of the NAACP. So you
0: weren't just there. You were leading at that point. I mean, being a youth leader, that's pretty impressive.
4: Well, there weren't much to lead, but I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was there. It was one of those so, I showed up
0: at the meeting and they put me in charge. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> that does happen sometimes <laughs> i understand
4: yes um so um it was at that point that um i said I, when bob moses was the first one to come down Yeah. and ah uh, uh it's like that song what did you learn if someday i will get my chance yeah so yeah. i was i said this is my chance this is my chance my chance has finally come, and so I became involved in voter registration. Right, going out, you know, knocking on doors, um, trying to get people to come to the Masonic Temple in Macomb to uh, learn how, or uh, prepare them rather, to go to the post uh, to vote, uh, to the court, courthouse. I'm sorry, to register. And um, that that process was going very slowly. Yeah. And I guess many of us have become, had become disillusioned and decided, well, we didn't decide, but people like Dionne Diamond and, and Marion Barry, and they decided, well, we've got to do something to help, you know, captivate these young, these youth. And so they discussed... Uh, direct action and Curtis um, Hayes Muhammad and Hollis Watkins Muhammad were the very first two to sit in at the Greyhound bus station in Macomb and um, I'm sorry, not the Greyhound bus station, I'm thinking about myself but they sat in at the F.W. Woolworth store Mm -hmm. and that night they were arrested and that night um they had a huge mass meeting and I say huge because the cone being the size that it was, if you get two hundred people out to a mass meeting, that's huge. That's huge
3: right?
4: <laughs> so um, they were they talked talk, spoke of, of Hollis and Curtis's arrest and um they discussed how they needed people to volunteer to go to jail because they this action couldn't stop here. It had to continue. So they needed people to volunteer to go to jail or to volunteer to go and do uh, sit-ins and stuff. So um, there were three of us who raised our hands to volunteer uh, and that we uh, we went to the Greyhound bus station. We were given coins. I call it coins. You know, may have I mean? fifty cents or a dollar, whatever the fare was, to be able to go into either Tennessee or Louisiana, testing the interstate commerce mm-hmm. law. So there was Bobby Talbert, um, uh the late Ike Lewis who was uh, a high school student. He, he and I attended the same high school. Bobby Talbot was already graduated from high school, from another school district, I'm sorry, uh, and myself. And I always say, I represented the women. <laughs> <laughs> and today I still hold that distinguished, distinguished title, I represented the, the women. women. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, we were arrested and I spent 28 days in the Pike County jail.
0: Let's, let's take a quick break and I'm going to let you finish out that, well, continue that story because it's pretty powerful to say the least. Course, we're talking right now with Brenda Travis. Uh, she's a veteran of the civil rights movement. And of course, joining her also is the co author of her book, who, who helped her write the book, John Obie, who's in here, who also has a civil rights uh, history here in Mississippi as well. And we'll get him in on the conversation too. It's Mississippi's Exiled Daughters, the book, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. And this is Now You're Talking Here on MPV Think Radio. Keep
2: Never mind
1: your days will soon be here. take it from me someday we'll all be free if you're a sustaining member of MPB think radio we appreciate your support of our programs to become a sustainer, Go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Oh,
4: freedom!
2: Oh.
0: Welcome back to this Now You're Talking on MBB Think Radio, and I have been treated to a concert in the studio. <laughs> just absolutely beautiful, to say the least. All right, we got a great show going today. I hope you're enjoying it so far. we got Brenda Travis is in the studio, veteran of the Civil Rights Movement, and apparently quite a good singer, too, because you were you were killing it here just a second ago. And, of course, her new book is Mississippi's Exiled Daughter, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. Of course, it was... co Help... John Obi helped write it with, I can't speak today. I don't know what the deal is. Monday. Of course, I always do a Monday show. I don't know what the deal is. Um, I tell you what, Brenda, last time we we were talking, you were in jail. I'm glad that you're out, obviously. But you were, at this point, you were out protesting. You got thrown in jail. Um, how old were you at this time?
4: I was 16 years old.
0: You were 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, most 16-year-olds would be completely terrified and considering you had just witnessed a few years before what happened to Emmett Till, you get thrown in jail. You don't really know what's going to happen at this point.
4: To me, um, the uh, the Emmett Till death and my brother being arrested yeah. was a courage builder. Yeah, because when it you know as a child as I spoke, I, I said that I uh, I was going to do something right. So at the age of 16, it came to the point where I knew what I was going to do. And that that, that gave me the courage to do what I promised myself at 10 years old.
0: And you did it. How, and and how many did. days again you were you in jail?
4: I was in jail for 28 days. Twenty-eight. Uh-huh. And how did
0: you end up getting out?
4: Um, well, we were released... That was all of us were released at the same time. That was Bobby Talbot, um, yeah. Ike Lewis Hollis Mohammed and Curtis Mohammed and myself. Yeah. A uh, bail was set for us and we were released. And,
0: and then it got worse because you got you got ex- you got expelled from high school at that point.
4: I got expelled from high school. About five days later I returned uh to uh my high school to um to register and enroll in school and was told at that time that I was expelled and I wanted to know why. Right. And they said because of my civil rights activities. Now, mind you, these activities took took place across the summer months. Right. Had absolutely nothing. So you
0: weren't skipping school or anything like that? No.
4: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, And
0: this was a segregated school on top of that, too. So, I mean. It was a Did somebody get to the the principal and basically say you got to you've got to get her out of there?
4: I I understand that the school superintendent, who was a vice uh, superintendent, uh, told him that 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 he had to expel yeah. me, and I didn't quite understand it, and I still don't understand it till, till today. This man, C. D. Higgins, was the one that went and personally raised money. To build that school, right? It wasn't something that uh, the Macomb School District funded, and yet he had to come under the school district's authority, yeah, and their dictates, uh, at their controls, you know, so that they could uh, be able to get obsolete books.
0: Right. What year so, were you were you going into that year? Was that your junior year or your sophomore year?
4: Uh it was my sophomore year. So
0: what did you end up how did you I mean, obviously how did you end up finishing up your education?
4: I finished up well, I went to a couple of different schools. Yeah. Because at this point I was
0: I mean the options weren't we, yeah.
4: Can we kind of di- like digress a little well, bit? Well we can digress we
0: can do anything. This is this is your microphone. <laughs> I mean, we got you here.
4: And I have the blue.
0: You have the blue. Yeah, she made sure that she got the blue microphone. Left poor John with the with the red microphone. He's just sitting there looking at it going, I don't want to talk in the red microphone.
4: But um, after, after being uh, released from the Pike County Jail and going and being expelled from the high school, mm-hmm. um, we laid a, a protest march down to City Hall with about 100, and I believe hundred and nineteen hundred and students who, who marched with me uh, to the Macomb City Hall, and I was arrested again and taken to the county seat. And the next morning or the next day or so, I was transported from the Macomb City Jail without due process, And I guess black people don't have due process anyway, Um, to Oakley Training School in Raymond, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. My mother didn't know for a few weeks where I was. So they
0: didn't let her know. They They didn't
4: let her know. They didn't let the attorney know. Jack Young was the one of the civil rights attorneys, and he was the one that was handling my case. Um, they didn't let him know, but when he found out, then he shared with my mother, and my poor mother was thinking, "Oh my lord, they've killed my baby." Right. Yeah. So um, I hope that she was told that I was going that I I was going to be in there until I became of age, which would have been 21 because of the state yeah. of Mississippi, right. you were, you're, 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 um, not of age until 21. Supposedly. I don't know if they changed that law, but, uh, you're not, um, no,
0: prepared. it's, it, I don't believe it's 18 now, but okay. We're yeah.
4: doing that that time it was, uh, 21. So I, you know, okay. Just kind of settle in for the long haul. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I do know that several attempts were made to to obtain my release. And um, this professor from Talladega, Alabama came to uh, Mississippi and spoke with Ross Barnett and he was able to obtain a conditional release for me. And the condition was that he had to have me out of the state of Mississippi within 24 hours because he could not guarantee my safety.
0: You literally got kicked out of the state of Mississippi.
4: Literally got kicked out of the state of Mississippi. Yep. Yeah.
0: Wow.
4: One of Mississippi's most precious commodities were kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so,
0: so where'd you go? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, because, I mean, your mom just figured out that you were probably still alive at this point, and suddenly you're like, you get put on a bus and you get sent out. Did you have family or did you know where you were going to go? I mean, that...
4: Well, yeah, the professor from Talladega was there, I think it was about two and a half weeks. I haven't looked it up yet. Yeah. I made um, my 17th birthday on March the 16th, and the... F- I believe Easter Sunday was the first Sunday of April. And it was Easter Sunday before day that he came to the reformatory school to get me. And I went, I wasn't leaving Mississippi before saying goodbye to my mother. Right. So he took me. To my mother, and then we were on our way. Wow. He took me to Talladega. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. John, at this point, you were you were in Simpson County, weren't you? During the, or maybe a little bit later, around the time nineteen sixty seven. yes.
3: nineteen sixty
0: seven. So you were here as well, and so Brenda's story, I guess, continues on. She she's. You kind of bounced around the country a little bit trying to find a home. Did you ever get to be with your mom again?
4: Later years, um, my mom came went to, once I settled. I'm sorry,
0: Brenda talks with her hands, by the way. If you've seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> you hear an occasional bump on the microphone,
4: okay. Um, I finally settled in California in yeah. 1966.
0: What part of California, just out so curious? Southern
4: California.
0: Okay, down near L.A. or San Diego, somewhere in that range? In
4: L.A. County. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in 72, my mother came. I sent for her to come and oh, live with me. Yeah. yeah. She was very ill at that time, and she wasn't getting proper medical care. And so um, I sent for her to come. Right to me in, in California. But uh, again another digression. My mother um my entire family suffered. My mother
0: um I was gonna ask, could they take it out on your family after they all? They took
4: it out on my family. They not only took me from my family, but my mother couldn't get work anywhere in Pike County mm-hmm. and she had to leave my siblings. With family members to go elsewhere to seek work to get work to take care of them. All because her
0: daughter tried to help people vote.
4: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, did you post post Mississippi? Did you go to Did you go to college? What I mean, what was your career? What What were the things that you were doing? Because obviously, you were probably still active in trying to 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 help people and get rights. It just you were having to do it in a different place
4: a different place in a different way. I didn't complete college. Yeah. I went to college, but I didn't complete college. And I looked, and I'm 73 years young, and it's still a bucket list item. Uh,
0: to get it done. <laughs> I would say, though, that you, I would dare say that by 17, you had an education that a lot of people never will be able to fathom. So, Yes. Yeah. But,
4: even with that, I haven't had anyone to offer me with all of my life experiences.
0: You need an honorary degree at least.
4: I haven't yeah. received. I haven't received not one.
0: Hey, Michelle, let's get on the phone. Let's get her an honorary degree because yeah, she's got a thumbs up. I can't do much, but we're gonna we're gonna throw that out there. But yeah, I, c- I can understand on that. Well, we'll we'll continue this conversation after the break because I think it's. Uh, we need to talk about the book, obviously, and your story today, too, because I think people need to hear this. This is fantastic as well. All right. Brenda Travis is our guest. And, of course, the book is Mississippi's Exiled Daughter, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. John Obi helped you write it, too. He's in the studio. We'll get him to talk a little bit about the process on the book, too, and some of the things he's been doing because he's had a pretty incredible career in his own right. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
1: So people get ready for the train to join Picking up passengers coast to coast Faith is the key, open the door MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first-place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio.
2: Travis was kicked out of the
0: state of Mississippi just because she was trying to help register people to vote. But guess what? She's in the studio today, so she is back home. Very proud to have her here as well. Also, John Obi's here too because he he helped her write the book Mississippi's Exiled Daughter, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. John, welcome. Um, The book congratulations. I know it feels nice to actually have it printed and in your hands and I know it's kind of like having a, a kid almost. Except you don't have to put it through college.
3: That's a good thing. It was a great adventure.
0: Yeah. It was an adventure and you um, there's actually a story behind how you two kind of met on this and how you um, the process on how you did the book. So,
3: well, I, I met Brenda for the first time in 2012 at the Mississippi Veterans Conference and uh for having served in the civil rights movement in mississippi it's something that is as with brenda it's with you for life it's right. it's, it's something that'll always be with you and i had read many many stories uh and i had read about brenda's story in many many books uh the the problem is is first of all there were some things that were incorrect and as i learned from talking to her uh, but but also the story was just uh, almost anecdotal footnote material. But there was so much of a greater story there as, as she and I began to talk in, beginning in 2012 and then again in 2013. And I, I, I was captivated by the story and felt in many ways presumptuous on my part that somehow I could help Bring what I thought was this incredible story of this incredibly courageous woman to to the world, and so we started out on that venture, which turned out to be a five year venture in the process but but uh we were there and and just a couple of things that you you find i'm not a historian i'm a lawyer i'm a civil rights lawyer in michigan um, it, one of the things that that the history books Told, starting with Howard Zinn, and then everybody else copied it. Taylor Branch, John Dittmer, uh, that Brenda was 15 years old when all of this happened, and uh, somebody, and I won't guess who it was attributed to, suggested that she lied about her age, so that because there was a big u and cry after she was arrested, that there were juveniles going to jail, uh, because she was the only minor of the group that w- that was arrested, and so. To make up for that, people suggested that she lied about her age. And one thing that I know, having spent hours and hours and hours mostly on the phone with Brenda, I have never seen her tell a lie about anything. She's one of the most honest human beings that I know. And and uh, and I'm just happy that I played this part in, in bringing this incredible story to light.
0: I would say also a force of nature, too, I would imagine. I would think – but how did the process work? Did did she, like, call you up and tell you the story and you recorded it? Or is it back-and-forth emails? Or how did you manage to – because you were, you were up there. She was – In California. California,
3: yeah. She had done a number of uh, – several oral interviews. And she provided me with those oral interviews, which I transcribed. I read them, took notes, read them again, took yeah. notes – Read them a third time, took notes, and then then we would go step by step through the process, plus taking the books: right, uh, Taylor Branch's book, John Dittmer's book, Bob Moses' book, which incredibly. What well, uh, about to say? Bob's doing the forward for this book. Bob, so. Bob did the forward for the book, and but in Bob's book, Radical Equations, he got her, her age wrong too. So uh, <laughs> it, it's it's just, and I and I and I blame it uh, joyfully on Howard Zinn because he was the first one to actually put it in print, uh, her story in print, and then it it carried from there. So how did
0: it feel the first time you held the book and you realized this is my story?
4: It was very emotional. I can imagine. I cried for two or three days, just uncontrollably. There was this flood of emotion that just came over me the brother that I mentioned, yeah. my mother, my dad, in the book, it tells the story of how my dad and my mother was separated, but it wasn't a traditional separation. Yeah, My dad left. I'm sorry. I, I do express myself with my hands. No, no I think it's wonderful. I really,
0: I, I look forward to having you on the television show because I want everybody to enjoy this as much as I am.
4: Okay. Um my my dad um worked in Itabina as a sharecropper and he 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 moved there. My mother was pregnant with me and the the owner wanted my dad to make my mother work and she was about to have he called it drop her load when he came to the field and inquired where my mother was. So he left the field to go and get his gun. He had killed several black people. Mm. So when he left the field to go to his house to get his gun, my dad left the field to go and get my mother, and he went on the run. He took her back to Macomb, and that's where I was born. Uh, And he went on the run for a number of years. They never really got back together after then because um, for several years, um, this man was hunting looking for him right and so he didn't come back to Macomb so that kind of yeah. forced a separation between my mom and my dad and i fi- i found my dad and i brought him to california to oh, join did you really? i oh, found wow. him to join the family the emotions that came Okay. Oh, okay, the emotions that came over me mm-hmm. is that my mom, my dad, my brother whom I love so much, are not here to share this moment with yeah. me. And so that was what I felt what I when I uh, received the book or even the message that the book was uh, was back from the apprentice.
0: The book, of course, is Mississippi's Exiled Daughter, How My Civil Rights Baptism Under Fire Shaped My Life. The book signing, uh, you've got one at Lemuria coming up, was it tomorrow?
3: Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Tomorrow. What
0: 6 o'clock at Lemuria. You're also doing History is Lunch on the 22nd uh, at the Civil Rights Museum, which, by the way, there is a huge picture of you right as you walk in, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's got to be pretty cool, too. It has been an honor to have you on the show today, Brenda, and to get to meet you. Thank
4: you.
0: And I'm going to actually try to find proper Kleenex for you so you don't have to use the <laughs> paper right now. So. John, thank you, too, for coming in, thank and you. thank you for helping write this wonderful story in this book as well. All right, Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio and produced by the amazing Michelle McAdoo, who's just killed it on the bumper music today. Thank you so much, Michelle. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy and join us next week for more Now You're Talking, only here. On Mississippi, to the
1: heavens, no man, no weapon formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us. Justice is position in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough. Once son die, the spirit is revisited us.